You know when a new song comes out and you just can't get it out of your head? Before you know it, similar songs start popping up and copycats are everywhere. It happens all the time in music, on TV, apps, tech, fashion, and in crypto, the original trailblazer was Bitcoin. It's been around for 13 years and it's already the granddaddy of the cryptocurrency. Not far behind, it's Ethereum. And the two of them have a combined market value of more than a trillion dollars. Which means they've outpaced every other coin out there. But they're not the only ones. There's also Dogecoin, Solana, Cardano, Tether, and even XRP. Those are just a few of the digital coins available, but it's estimated that there are over 10,000 cryptocurrencies worldwide. To put that into perspective, one Bitcoin is worth thousands of dollars. Ethereum's cryptocurrency Ether is worth around a thousand bucks on its own. From there, the value of other coins drops all the way down to coins that are worth less than even a dollar. Bitcoin and Ethereum dominate cryptocurrency because of three things. They're well-known, have the highest value, and the most history. The two are traded in online exchanges and stored in cryptocurrency wallets, and both are decentralized. And yet, they're not created equally. From Matrix Mortgage Global, this is Crypto House, a place where we break down all things crypto in a way that's easy to understand. I'm your host, Sean Allen, the founder of Matrix Mortgage Global, and we're the first company in Canada to accept cryptocurrency not only as an asset, but as a form of payment. Whether you're a first-time visitor or feel home at crypto, there's something here for everyone, and the door is wide open. This episode of Crypto House is all about the two giants in crypto, Bitcoin and Ethereum. How are they different, and how are they the same? And what makes them so valuable? Bitcoin and Ethereum both use blockchain technology. The big difference is how they use it. Bitcoin uses blockchain technology as a decentralized ledger system to distribute, trade, and store information. Meanwhile, Ethereum has its own programming language that runs on the blockchain. To help you understand the difference between the two most popular digital currencies today, I'm joined by Elise Sam. She's a blockchain strategist, author, and fiercely passionate advocate for ethical tech. She dedicates her time to mentoring women and children entering STEM through her nonprofit organizations, including the Women in Blockchain Foundation. She's one of the first three female founders in the space and has gone on to educate thousands. So, Elise, let's start from the beginning. What are Bitcoin and Ethereum? Well, very simply, Bitcoin and Ethereum are digital assets. So, whereas most people are familiar with fiat currency, which is paper money that we use today, um, they don't really have an overall understanding of it. 
Um, a lot of people still believe that fiat is backed by gold, but the gold standard went out in 1971. So the money that you use to barter actually is not backed by anything except for what big enterprises are telling us it's worth and what we're telling each other it's worth. Um, so the solution to that issue and the double spending problem within fiat currency was digital assets built on blockchain technology, and that's what Bitcoin is. Um, we had e-gold in the 90s and some different digital golds in the 90s. Um, and what it evolved to was uh, Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper to the Bitcoin protocol. And uh, Bitcoin aims to be a decentralized um, economy, which means that no bank or no one person owns it. We all own it together and we give it value by using it. Um, and it can't depreciate much in value um, because there's uh, it's mathematical equation. There's only 21 million of them. And so as more and more are used, the value goes up and up and up. Ethereum is kind of an advancement from Bitcoin. Um, it incorporates smart contracts. As Elise just mentioned, the U.S. dollar, pound sterling and euros are all fiat currencies or Better put, money issued by governments, not backed by things like gold or silver. These currencies rise and fall with the country's economic standing and stability. It's basically analog money tied to a central bank, which has the ability to control the economy. But cryptocurrencies aren't tied to a bank or any centralized authority. Think about open source digital money. That's Bitcoin and most cryptocurrencies. When Satoshi Nakamoto entered the picture, we got the blockchain. And from that, we got Bitcoin, a decentralized digital coin, which means no one single government, person, or banking institution controls the currency or its value. There is no single owner pulling the strings. Even though both use blockchain technology, the biggest difference is how they use it. Bitcoin uses blockchain technology as a decentralized ledger system to distribute, trade, and store information. Meanwhile, Ethereum has its own programming language that runs on the blockchain, which means you can look at Ethereum as more than a cryptocurrency. It's actually a decentralized software platform, meaning it has more to offer. The man behind it is Vitalik Buterin, a Russian-born Canadian. He was fascinated by Bitcoin and what cryptocurrencies could offer. And in 2015, he evolved the blockchain technology when he launched Ethereum and its digital currency, Ether. Ethereum is more than payments and transactions. It's a whole marketplace of programs, apps, dApps as they're called, services, and even games. It even has smart contracts as a central feature. And what smart contracts do is they're um, software, um, they can be AI, um, and what they do is it's code that tells different things what to do. So, like, it'll eliminate um, uh, some 
lawyers for some different things, like in real estate, you know, if we're talking to a mortgage community and it's going to help with payment processing, like billing and things like that. Um, Also, it's really fantastic in gaming. And Ethereum is not only a currency, but it's also a blockchain as well. And so you can use it as money or you can build different protocols or games or other currencies on top of it as well. So I hope that's easy to understand. We'll look into smart contracts a little deeper in future episodes. But in short, a smart contract is a self-executing contract with terms of agreement between buyers and sellers written directly into the code and distributed across the whole blockchain network. Smart contracts allow for fair and secure transactions to take place across the Ethereum platform without a third party to oversee or execute the conditions. All of this evolved from blockchain technology. Compared to Ethereum, Bitcoin is a little easier to understand. It's a digital currency. Bitcoin does one thing and it does it well. Ethereum is more like a universe. And buying Ether is a way to buy into that universe. So now that we know the difference between them, Elise, you touched on this a bit earlier, but please elaborate. What gives Bitcoin and Ethereum its value? Well, one, it's like I said, it's a mathematical um, problem solved. We've only like there's only 21 million Bitcoin out there um, where they print fiat endlessly. You know, like what was it? This is not the actual statistic. You know, look it up for sure. But in the last two years during this pandemic, they printed more money than they ever have before. And I want to say it was like four times more than they ever have. It was an insane amount of money, but that's why you see $50,000 houses are now $300,000 and so on and so forth. It's because the U.S. dollar has um, depreciated in value and it's going to continue to as they print off these stimulus checks. Um, And as these wars increase and, you know, we're facing famine next and all these terrible things. So the dollar is going to continue to go down. Well, what's the solution to that? Well, you know, you, you make an economy where there's only so much of it. If there's a scarcity, you know, it increases in value. It doesn't decrease in value. You know, if I give a a billion copies of my uh, my autograph book, is it going to be very valuable? No, but if if we do a hundred of them, it might be a little valuable. Same with Kobe Bryant's, um, you know, basketball cards. If we if he was just signing them all day and night, would everybody want them? If there was a million of them out there in or a billion of them out there in cycle, no. But if there's only 21 million and now he's passed away, you know, there's a scarcity and there's a value there. And the same with Bitcoin. Clients don't want to be sold. They want to be educated. Matrix Mortgage Global, Canada's mortgage company, can help you secure financing for your most difficult deal. Self-employed, operate a small business, refinancing, or using cryptocurrency, we have a solution for you. Their award-winning advisors will cater to your unique situation. Approved in minutes, let Matrix Mortgage Global help you navigate the mortgage process. Visit matrixmortgageglobal.ca or call 855-55-FUNDS. Scarcity is central to value when it comes to Bitcoin. Bitcoin alone sits at a market cap of about $800 billion. Ethereum's market cap rests somewhere near that $358 billion. For cryptocurrencies, this refers to the total value of all the coins that have been mined. To get the value, you take the number of coins mined, 
and multiply it by the current value of that coin. In October 2021, the price of one single Bitcoin reached 61,000 US dollars, which at that time was an all time high. Meanwhile, in November 2021, Ethereum reached an all time high of its own of 4,400 US dollars. That's a big value difference. And why is that? For Bitcoin, it comes down to trust and adoption. Bitcoin had about 13 years to build up a large user database. And in that time, the blockchain technology it's built on was proven to be stable and secure. That means more vendors and merchants are willing to accept Bitcoin as a payment in recent years. And for Bitcoin, the principles of supply and demand simply apply as Elise mentioned. Scarcity is key because the number of coins available is capped at 21 million, and roughly 19 million coins have already been mined. Soon, there'll be no more Bitcoins to be mined. Other factors play a role in the value of Bitcoin too. That includes the cost of production or mining, as well as competitors in the cryptocurrency field, and even public perception about crypto. With Ethereum and Ether, there's no cap on the total amount of coins available, so there's no worry about running out. But supply and demand are still major factors in the terms of its use. If Ethereum is the universe and Ether is the main currency, then the value is tied to the success and growth of Ethereum. If more people join the platform, then more Ether is spent, traded, and mined. That brings the value of Ether up. Because of these factors, cryptocurrencies can be volatile when it comes to value, meaning you could see a coin skyrocket before it tanks. Bitcoin's value dropped by 50% between April and June 2021. And as of today, the value is dropping after seeing record highs just a few months ago. This type of volatility makes most cryptocurrencies a little too risky for everyday use by the public. So what are other advantages to Bitcoin and Ethereum? Oh, transparency is huge. I mean, everything's built on a blockchain. So you have a wallet address um, and we can just verify everything. You know, if I tell you I just sent you a million dollars and, you know, I wired it and X, Y, Z. The thing of it is, is it's peer to peer. It's one to one. Like we're not going through a bank. You're not waiting for it. Um, fun fact, I had to send to one of my partners in Haiti some money. JP had to send him some money in Haiti, um, but he evacuated. Haiti before he picked up the wire at Western Union. And so they sent me an email and they're like, hey, you got $1,000 at Western Union, come pick it up. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, this is going to be easy. So I went to Dylan's and I went to go pick it up. Well, guess what? They were like, well, you can't pick this up. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, you were in Dallas, Texas when you got this wire and you sent it to Haiti. So good luck. And so, and then they actually got the location wrong. And I was like, no, I had to go and find the receipts and show all this stuff. Well, um, Bitcoin is used on blockchain. So all I would have to done is open up my phone and go, look, you see the transaction? It is right there. You see, you stop being silly. It's right there. And then it's peer to peer. So I just would have sent JP that money he needed. He needed fiat on a private island because they didn't use Bitcoin. Unfortunately, they will. They will. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it was it's peer to peer. It's instant. And it's you know, it didn't cost me virtually anything to send Bitcoin. It cost me an arm and a leg to get Western Union. And then they they 
they charged me again to pick up my money because they wired it from Haiti to Dallas to Colorado and then to Kansas and then I picked it up. And wow. it literally took like four hours. This was last week. And it's so it's like, why Bitcoin? And I'm like, because of this, you know? <laughs> Transparency, peer to peer, effortless, protected on the blockchain forever. If you want to lie and say, I didn't send you that money, I can prove it to you. I'm not a liar. So a lot of people that are dishonest, they don't like this economy. You know, they want to lie and hide things and you can't do it with this technology. Yeah, and that's a good reason why people should care about Bitcoin because of that transparency and because of that ease of use. But people just aren't comfortable with it. So what would you say to them with regards to, you know, being comfortable in the space and, and why they should care about Bitcoin? I would say um, too bad about your comfortability. Um, if you want to grow um, and you want to be forward thinking, um, you know, growing is painful. Um, I was hit by a semi truck. I barely knew how to turn on a computer. I was a nurse and I didn't want to learn all this. I thought it was stupid. Um, I found Bitcoin when it was $8 and it was this weird internet money uh, that, and I grew up on IRC and I thought it was all really dumb. Um, but when smart contracts got incorporated to the technology, I said, holy crap, that's the future. What about all this wallet stuff? It's really hard. I'm a nurse. I don't know how to do it. Boo-hoo, I'm disabled. What happened? Poor is me. And guys, Guess what? I knew it was the future. So I took out all my retirement. I figured it out where everybody else could sign on immediately. It would take me three weeks to figure out a wallet. It was hard. I cried. I didn't think it was fair. Now, this was almost nine years ago. And I'm here to tell you, if you're afraid of it or if it's too hard, you know, you've already missed Bitcoin excelling up to $43,000. Do you want to miss it going up to a million and feel sorry for yourself? Or do you want to like take some time off of Facebook or Instagram and take 15 minutes and learn how to use? It's not hard to sign up for Coinbase. It's not hard to get Cash App and buy Bitcoin on there. You can do it on PayPal now. And there's endless education, whereas it would take me two weeks to figure something out. And I actually had to email experts because there was nobody out there and they were kind enough to give it to me. So if there's a will, there's a way and there's no excuses not to get this because you're going to be poor. Fiat is losing its value. You can't afford a house right now unless you are a multimillionaire and it's only going to get worse. We're in scary times right now. So you can be a little bit afraid to get a wallet and make a couple of investments and do some education. Um, or you can be really afraid later when you've lost even more opportunity um, and get ahead on something great. Though that might be true, most people use traditional fiat currencies, which are stable because the value of our dollar remains fairly the same month to month, year to year. So for those who want to try crypto, but are afraid of the volatility, what about stable coins? Yeah, so stable coins are fantastic. And if you do have that fear, you can definitely get a stable coin. Um, a stable coin, um, the most traditional one that people are familiar with is a fiat-backed stable coin. So you've got your paper money that's attached to a cryptocurrency that's kind of like a Bitcoin. Um, it's on the blockchain protocol, um, but it's back to something tangible typically. So uh, like Tether is a one-to-one, -one, uh, one USD to one Tether token. Token. And so that's virtually using USD within a cryptocurrency. But there's five different types of stable coins, and some of these are the future. 
Um, the second type is a crypto backstable type. So if you don't like that volatile, volatility, you can have a basket of stable uh, cryptocurrencies within one stable coin, and it doesn't fluctuate. It typically just slowly increases. Um, the second one is a, or the third one is a commodity backstable coin. This is always going to be useful and never die out because people buy tons and tons and tons of gold, and we have gold back and diamond back stable coins, wheat back, oil back stable coins. And you can invest in those. A lot of them incorporate and work around supply chain so that you can buy mass amount of things and you're not shipping them to and from places, which reduces the ecological footprint on the planet. So I would say look into those. Those are useful to invest in. Um, yeah. The fourth type is an algorithmic stable token. Um, this is very futuristic. Um, this will be the future of all finance. Um, it's an ecosystem built behind um, typical kind of like a traditional bank where it's got marketplaces and loaning systems and it's a mathematical equation um, that works with all these different ecosystems to produce um, an algorithmic backstable coin. They're absolutely fantastic. That's the future of loaning and um, savings accounts. And the last one is just a hybrid. They mix and match all those things to reduce volatility. They throw it into one thing, one token, and you can invest in that so that you have multiple investments in one stable coin. So that kind of it, sounds like an index token or index coin, kind of, where you're getting a little bit of everything tossed in together. Yeah, in Kansas, I guess we'd call it a hot mess soup and or hot mess chili, you know, and just throw them all in there and, you know, it's going to come out okay, hopefully. No, I'm good. But yeah, the hybrids are really great because they do reduce, uh, they reduce uh, volatility. Um, good things to look at in that is just make sure you know what you're investing in. And like I said, since a lot of this community is newer to it, um, I focus on unbiased education. I write only to learn because like I said, poor me, I was afraid and still I am. I'm a nurse, but I do all the technical stuff now. And as I build the technology, I offer for free the unbiased education so you can figure out what is best for you. So stable coins are cryptocurrencies backed by a reserve asset like gold or a specific currency like the U.S. dollar. They face a significant amount of scrutiny by regulators and can have a pretty broad impact on traditional financial systems. The draw of Bitcoin and Ethereum is that they're outside of the system. The lack of regulation and interference of traditional financial institutions is a part of the appeal. For the general public, though, the volatility of these two Bitcoins is a turnoff. And that's not all. Cryptocurrency is a new kind of payment network. It's largely free of regulation, and transactions can be harder to trace. But this anonymity has a price, and the planet is paying it. The issue is how crypto is made in cyberspace. It's called mining. But instead of digging for diamonds or gold, computers are digging for answers. Miners use programs to solve incredibly complicated problems. The solutions validate the cryptocurrency transaction, and that validation goes into a decentralized record-keeping system called blockchain. If you wanted to be a crypto miner in the 2010s, your home computer might be enough to get you started. Today, you need a bunch of specialized, very powerful computers. They're known as mining rigs, and they use a stunning amount of electricity. Take Bitcoin, for example. Researchers at the University of Cambridge say that Bitcoin uses more electricity annually than all of Argentina. 
According to the website Digiconomist, the carbon footprint of one Bitcoin transaction is comparable to more than two million Visa transactions. And that one transaction uses as much power as the average American household uses in about two months. The environmental impact of mining for coins is also an issue. It takes a lot of energy to mine new coins. And at the center of all this energy consumption is something called proof of work. Essentially, it's a consensus mechanism that cryptocurrency networks need in order to validate and confirm that no one spends the same money twice. Proof of work blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum are secured by virtual miners worldwide, racing to be the first to solve complex math problems or cryptographic puzzles. The first one to solve the problem gets to update the blockchain and is rewarded with a certain amount of digital coin. The amount of energy consumed running these computers is enough to power several small countries. Ethereum especially takes up a lot of energy as there are a vast number of transactions and complex smart contracts that need to be validated and secured. The solution may come from a new verification process called proof of stake. It's also a consensus mechanism, but it's designed to use less energy. With proof of stake, blockchains are validated by coin owners who offer their coins as collateral for a chance to validate the block. These are known as validators. Validators are then randomly selected to mine a block, and it reduces the competition-based system that was created with proof of work. We could think of proof of stake as being about sharing and not competing. Bitcoin may move to proof of stake at some point. Ethereum is transitioning towards proof of stake, but that's a major hurdle that the platform faces. Ethereum 2.0 is ready to go and the platform will roll out soon. The platform will become more scalable, more secure, and ultimately more sustainable environmentally. Forecasts for Ethereum 2.0 are largely positive, and experts are predicting that this upgrade will help Ethereum fully break away from the comparison to Bitcoin that have played an important role in its market value. So now that we have a firm understanding of the two biggest cryptocurrencies, we'll be looking at altcoins and alt lending next week on Crypto House. Thank you, Elise Sam, for joining me today. You can find her at Elise Sam on Twitter. And for my two cents today, I would highly recommend picking up Sam's book. Stable Coin Economy, Ultimate Guide to Secure Digital Finance, which is an unbiased guide that reviews stable coins with opposing opinions from financial thought leaders. It hopes to give people the freedom to develop their own opinions and help them navigate the future of digital currencies. Also, Stable Coin Evolution, the overall unbiased history and projected future of financial technology which will start at the beginning and give you a general understanding of the history of finance and technology. It then builds until you get a solid grasp of fungibility versus non-fungibility and opens the doors to understanding the difference between stable coins and other digital assets. All links will be available in the show's notes. Thank you for joining me today on Crypto House. And if you'd like to learn more, visit matrixmortgageglobal.ca.